Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. It is a Thursday edition of the show, the last one of the week, but we are saving the best for last because we have a very special guest today, and it is Bucks wide receiver Cyril Grayson Jr. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is J.C. Allen, and J.C. is a little bit under the weather right now, so he's going to give us our Michael Jordan flu game. J.C., how are you, my friend? Yeah, you know, just battling this flu here. Give me that, you know, game six, Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> we got the game one tipping off between my Celtics and the Warriors. So hopefully I can, I can channel that type of energy through them. And I was, oh, I'm so excited to have Cyril on here. I met Cyril for the first time over at the Arians Family Foundation. And he's just, he's a ball of life. He's a character. I can't wait to talk about some things that uh, that he was pulling off out there. And, uh, you know, it's it's very awesome to have him on the show and, and not to pick his knowledge as a player, but also as a person to give you guys an insight of, you know, what he's all about, what he likes to do when he's not on the field and not, you know, doing his damn thing out there. Yeah, 100%. So without further ado, joining the show is a man who is the definition of perseverance and is on the come up based on what he was doing last season. We're excited to see what he can do this year. It is Cyril Grayson Jr. Cyril, thank you so much for joining the show and how you doing today? Thank you, man. JC, man, I'm doing good. Uh, kind of like JC, I've, I've been a little in the weather. I don't know if it's like allergies or maybe a flu or something like that. Just trying to figure it out. But other than that, I took my nap already after work. So I'm feeling pretty good, excited to be on the show. Yeah, and it's important to get in those naps, like really at any time of the year. But in Florida right now, like we haven't even really reached the summer. I know Memorial Day is the, the unofficial summer but you know you're running around out there for you know a couple of hours in practice here in, in Tampa heat like that wears you down pretty quickly I don't think people necessarily realize that man I make sure I get a nap every day and I'm <laughs> I'm not like one of those short nap people either I'm kind of like asleep in the middle of the day guy oh <laughs> I love my sleep it's a power nap that's what they call it yeah yeah so, I, I had to take a couple nap I had naps all week myself so yeah power nap a couple three hours boom boom in and out energized a little bit ready to go yeah so uh we're right in the middle of otas right now got mandatory mini camp coming uh right around the corner just want to get your thoughts how otas has been going so far getting back into the swing of things and being out there and practicing yeah i think that has been going um real good um sometimes it's tough being um here during this time of the year um just because we kind of got used to not coming um for the last two years so kind of being away from our families and stuff like that but you can definitely tell how being out there throwing together and um being together even in the meeting room how that's going to really help the team and we're excited a lot of the young guys i'm excited to see them um they've been contributing and they look good and the guys that are getting back everybody excited and I think um, this year is like a redemption season, and we're excited to try to um, make the next step from falling short last year. And I think um, it's on everybody's mind, and I don't think um, we're planning for anything less than um, being in the Super Bowl and winning it. Yeah, speaking of last year, I mean, that had to hurt doubly because you weren't able to play in that game. Uh, I think you had the hamstring injury that limited you into the playoffs. Uh, how how – 
difficult was that getting over that game and how difficult was it not to be able to play? Were you close? Was it just something you tested out, couldn't go? How did that all shake, shake down before that final game of the season? Yeah, I was, I was doing a whole lot of stuff um, to try to get back um, rehabbing. And honestly, for that game, I felt good. I thought that I would be able to go. Um, it was also one of those situations where um, a hamstring is one of those things you don't want to rush back too soon, um, trying to trust the team that we were going to make it to that next round. And that was kind of the conversations that are going on. You know, we might need you um, past this game. So, um, you know, we don't want to risk it. I'm also thinking, like, it's a one-week season. Um, so, like, if I pull it off of the bone, then screw it. Um, I just want to be out there and play. So, um, yeah, it did hurt not being able to um, be out there and help the team. Um, thinking that I could have contributed, but we fought to our last breath. Um, I think we can't um, be mad at the way that we competed at the end of that game to make it a game. And um, so, yeah, personally, it sucks to go out like that. Um, I think that I was really close to being able to play. And if we would have made it beyond that, then you would have definitely saw me. Yeah, I, I think. Oh, sorry, go ahead, JC. I was going to say, what was the recovery like? Did you need surgery or anything? You said almost, you know, pull off the bone. Was there any surgery, no. surgery or anything like that? Uh, no, when I say pull off the bone, I was saying like if oh, you would. it came right. down, I would have done it in that game if I would have had to. Um, like, you know, like it's all or nothing. I got the whole season to recover, so all, whole off season to recover. So, you know, let's go. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't have to have any surgery. The recovery was just a whole lot of different treatments, whether it was at home with um, – my guys who I used to um, for my body and then the guys at the facility who I would use as well as well as TB12 and all of those people. So, so you're on the doing TB everything. You're on the TB12 method. Um, I think it's, I think it's good to be on the TB12 method when TB12 is proven. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I think part of the thing that was so frustrating, obviously the season ends and the way that you guys were able to come back. And like you said, you weren't, you weren't able to play in that game, but I think what was so frustrating too, is that, you know, you were balling at the end of the season, you know, you had two straight games of, of 81 yards. You had the infamous block on the Keyshawn Vaughn touchdown run um, against Carolina. And then as you see right there uh, on the screen, and then of course the jets game, you, it will be remembered for a couple of different reasons, obviously, but your walk-off touchdown was, you know, such a such a crazy moment. You, you had two twelve left on the clock, no timeouts though. So I think the part that was crazy too, and if you can just tell us like your emotions during that whole thing, it's it's not just that it, okay, it's another Tom Brady game-winning drive, which you'll now be a part of that history because Brady obviously leads the NFL in that, but. You know, what was the mindset leading up to that point? Because other than the two-minute warning, you guys still had 95 yards to go. And so it doesn't matter, you know, who who's on your team. Like, that's that's tough to accomplish in itself. Right. Um, I think kind of prior to that drive, you know, we're kind of down the whole game, and I'm, like, kind of pissed um, because <laughs> I'm like, 
you know, no offense to the Jets fans. I'm like, man, we're losing to the Jets right now. Um, and I think that's kind of, it was just kind of my mindset. I'm sitting on the sideline and I'm like, please just give us a chance. If we get the ball back, I always think if we're within like two touchdowns with five minutes left, like, I think we have a chance. I think, um, because of the leadership that we have and the quarterback that we have and the way that the guys buy in and will fight to the end, I think that we have a chance. So I'm kind of on that sideline. I'm not even watching no more at this point. I got my eyes closed, my hands <laughs> together. I'm praying. I'm like, just give us a chance. And our defense does like a fantastic stop, um, fantastic job of getting that stop um, at the goal line. And when I got the ball, it was kind of, I mean, when we got the ball, it was kind of like, all right, we have a chance. And that was what it was when we were out there. So it was, I definitely had faith that we could do it and that we um, had the chance to get it done. It was definitely um, super exciting um, that he trusted me and came to me a few times during that drive. Um, I think when you're out there and you, with time, you start to see the game a lot different um, whenever you begin to um, like analyze the coverages and stuff like that, you know that um, if you have a certain route, like, okay, like the chances are very high that he's coming to me. So then it becomes a lot easier to um, feel those zones out, to know when to give them your eyes and all of that. And I think that that helps a lot as a player and it helps you begin to have confidence out there. You know, I really thinking like, oh, I might just be running this route and not getting it and stuff like that. So um, during that drive, it was just kind of a roller coaster of like being down where I'm like, are you kidding me to, okay, we're doing this, but also very tired because it's a long drive. <laughs> and um, if you ever go back and watch the drive, you can see how like the routes begin to become more and more trash as we get on the field. <laughs> it's like we're just running the stop route. You run into your depth and you just turn around. I think it hurt me on one play when I was should have came back down with them um, and the DB was able to play through the ball. Um, so, yeah, you're yeah. just tired during those two minutes. That, yeah, that, that, was, um, that was earlier <laughs> in the drive. And I want to talk in a little bit about you mentioned like – the different route combinations and just understanding and being on the same page with, with Tom, but sticking with that game as well. I think one of the more fascinating things too, was that entire drive. You still have Mike Evans, who's a future hall of famer, in my opinion, Gronk, who without question is a future hall of famer, that whole drive, Tom went to you and Tyler Johnson. And so that was, that was one thing in its own realm. But also, too, I don't know if you remember, obviously your touchdown was fascinating, but I was almost just as interested. You made the catch on the play right before, and you made the smart football play. You were trying to get out of bounds, but the uh, defensive back was able to tackle you before you got out of bounds. What were you thinking in that moment of like, oh, damn, like, we only got 30 seconds. We got to go back and get up. And obviously Tom decided to run another play where he scored the touchdown. Like, was there any panic in that one play where you got tackled before you went out of bounds? Um, we go, we practice, like the coaches do such a great job of putting us in all type of situations. Some situations you, 
get in one time um, the whole season. But that's a situation that we practice almost every practice. Um, just that urgency, getting the ball back to the line, lining up because it is a crunch for time. Um, so I don't, I don't think that it was a panic because we've practiced it so many times and it was kind of second nature to get up and run the ball to the hash, either hand it to the official or put it on the hash and then get back with your eyes back to the quarterback um, so that you can get that signal to see what we're um, doing. And then he calls, he dials up the right play um, that put the corner and that safety in the bond and boom. Touchdown. <laughs> and, winning. and it was, yeah. it was impressive too, because obviously, as he said, Tom had to like put it in the right spot, but you had to twist and turn a, a little bit too, to make the catch. So I'm just curious too, after the touchdown, you had the celebration. Um, what did Tom say to you in that moment? Or what was, obviously everyone was hyped up. Did anyone say anything you, to you specifically that really stood out? We were so turned that I don't even know. I, I do go back and watch film, and I'm I'm like, I kind of always forget to go, like on both of my touchdowns this past season, I see Tom running down like as I'm watching it on film, and everybody else is turning me up so much, I kind of forget to go and celebrate with him in that very <laughs> moment. <laughs> um, but... Obviously, when we get to the sideline, I, I always go over there and make sure I tell them, like, great job or whatever. And then we were kind of running to the sideline. Um, I don't remember if we kicked the – no, we ran a play no, you went, that. You went, we went, you for, went two. for two. We went for two. So we were kind of running to the sideline. So it was kind of like we was able to celebrate right after we went for two. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Now, that was that was your second career touchdown. Your first one – First of all, you got your first career NFL touchdown. That's a special moment in itself. But the fact that you did it against the Saints, you're from that area, you went to school at LSU, you actually even spent a little time with the Saints. How special was that moment for you? And obviously it was a huge play. It was a 50-yard throw from Brady to you, and you scored. How special was that moment? Man, that was amazing. My family was there, um, a bunch of my family, my friends. So um, just being able to do it. In my hometown, the team that I rooted for um, as I grew up, um, and like you said, was able to spend some time for. To me, it's kind of like I tweeted out probably before that, and I thought I was gonna like fulfill the tweet. I was like, I'm coming home to be uh, the villain or something like that. Um, so I was I was just um, excited about going win that game, and then we know how it ended up turning out. Um, but yeah, it was it was special. First touchdown. I was I always tell the young guys, we gotta practice touchdowns because like they're so hard to come by. You see some guys they score all the time, yeah. but it's so hard to get in the end zone um for like a bunch of what preseasons I was never able to score. I always was able to get a good stat line, have decent yards and catches but i never was able to score besides like a two-point conversion when i was in seattle my second year i believe maybe my first year i don't even remember but it's so hard to get in the end zone and like the guys tell me like antonio brown um chris mike bro you gotta just practice scoring and every time you get in there you gotta 
get excited and celebrate. They told me my first one, I didn't celebrate enough. So that's why you got what you got against the Jets. Speaking of Antonio Brown, again, the Jets game, that was when things kind of blew up. But I know it's in the rear view, but it's also when you were able to take a bigger step in that offense and and, and it paid out well for you. Obviously, it was a, the game winning touchdown. But where were you when all that happened? You mentioned the leadership to get, bring the team back together and move past it. There was talk about in the locker room being upset with target share. When you said you were kind of pissed, I thought I was hoping you weren't going to go with how many targets you were getting there. But like what 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 happened there do you i mean if you feel comfortable talking about it yeah i i honestly have no idea what happened or when everything transpired i was out on the field the only thing that i do remember um i, I guess i figured something was going on then is i was in the game and then it was a personnel when he was supposed to come in and i'm guessing stuff already happened and that's when he kind of laid them off and i went back in the game and again, he was able to, I got to, um, so I, you know, thanks Antonio Brown, you know, but I also, I also, I'm, I'm good friends with him now. And I think that he's a great guy. And I think that his um, competitive nature sometimes, um, you know, boils over sometimes, but I, I so I, I don't know what happened exactly on the sideline, but um, I know that I was able to make the best of my opportunity. Fair enough. And nonetheless, as JC, as you just said, it, it gave you more opportunities to, you know, really show yourself. And it, it really, you know, this whole league is about what have you done for me lately? And I said at the beginning, you were on the come up there. I think we were truly seeing you progress as a wide receiver. Because for those that don't know, you know, you didn't play college football. You went to LSU and you were on the track team and then you went to their pro day and that's how you ended up getting signed by, um, by Seattle. And you went through a couple different teams and it seems like you finally found, you know, a, a place here in Tampa making your contributions like you did at the end of the year. So I'm just curious for you, what specifically clicked for you? Was it just getting experience and learning the game more and obviously getting to work with, with Tom Brady? Was it just a matter of getting reps or what do you think really, change for you to have that success late in the season right um i think it's kind of a combination of a bunch of that stuff um obviously my first couple seasons like i thought i was ready i i go back and look at some things and um i don't know um but um maybe from where well, i came in 2017 from 20 maybe 19 the beginning of 2019 so that preseason till now like i think that i would have probably been able to contribute on some team um but it's also like that experience and i i don't blame any front office or anything for not taking a chance with somebody who like you say didn't play college football i didn't have much experience and I think that I made always make a lot of plays at practice and I always made a lot of plays in the preseason, but it is kind of hard to just go out on a limb and gamble with a guy who you just don't know. And so um, when I did get um, my chance this year and or this past season and then those opportunities kept coming, then I was able to gain that experience, which helps the game 
slow down tremendously and then you're able to and i've been in this offense for what three years now since the yeah. end of 2019 so I, I kind of feel a lot more comfortable than i have before i've always been on the back end of playbooks where everybody has that advantage on me um so i think that it was that experience it was the um coaches and the belief around me and all all of those things and the way that I train in the off season, the way that I watch myself and improve on my weaknesses, also the ways that um, I, the things that I've taken over time and be, began to become more confident in who I am as a receiver, rather than trying to emulate other people or be how other receivers are. Once once I became me and became confident and knew who I was and became the best Cyril that um, I can be, I think that that began to um, come forth and now everybody gets to see because um, everybody don't see like the hard work or um, yeah. the things and people talk about the guys like on the practice squad and stuff like that. But um, you see here, all the time um, in Tampa Bay, especially the last two years, like how the guys from the practice squad come up and contribute. Um, and I think that just shows that even the guys that you don't get to see on Sunday um, work so hard to um, be where they are and they have the talent probably to play on Sunday. It's probably either that opportunity that they're not getting or the lack of um, experience. Um, so. Spin it's all little, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I mean, you talk about that—that that, you know, that trans transgression uh, from being a track star, and I think Bruce Arians even said it that you know when he when we first got him in here, he looked like a track star playing wide receiver. Now he looks like a wide receiver playing wide receiver, and you talk about that journey. And one of the things that you spoke about um, this past season was was Tom's message to you, and I thought that was so powerful how you described, you know, his work ethic and the way he rubbed off on you. Who else has had that kind of um, had has kind of rubbed off on you that way to the point where you're like, you know, this is this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to be and have given you that that next step to be the best zero. Mm -hmm. I, I think Byron Leftwich um, has a big um big role in that he always encouraged me on um being who i am and encouraging me that he thinks that i can do it and stuff like that so he plays a big role um my receivers coach also has a lot of confidence in me um and we communicate um a lot mike um chris we all just talk and like they just encourage me like to the fullest um i i know like let's say if you drop a ball um and it happens you guys probably been at practice before and you see yeah. even mike chris gronk drop a ball and like to I, I watch them and they just run back to the huddle because they know they're going to get another one and they're just going to make the best out of that opportunity so chris always comes and tells me bro you just got to get back to the bases just look at all the way in. We know you can catch. You can't, 
you catch them a thousand times. Um, it just sucks when you drop one and you don't get that many targets. And then it's kind of, man, this is who he is. But it's, it's constantly talking to yourself and being encouraged by those around you that you can do it. I want to ask you about your coaches again in a second, but first just want to talk about Celsius Energy Drinks, of course, the proud sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Guys, if you don't know about Celsius yet, you're missing out. There are, we we talk about variety. There are tons of different flavors out there from watermelon to peach vibe, which I'm rocking right now. You got peach mango, strawberry, multiple different flavors. Strawberry lemonade is, is great too. They got uh, seven essential vitamins, no preservatives or artificial flavors or colors, zero sugar. And they get you they give you that energy to get you through your day, whether it's a work day. You got to go for a long drive. You got a workout coming up. It gives you all the essential energy that you need. And there's no crash. There's none of those, you know, post energy drink jitters. You don't get that with Celsius energy. So make sure you go to Celsius.com. You could also buy them on Amazon and have them. Ship to your house. You can plan it for two weeks, three weeks, a month. Uh, so make sure you go to Celsius.com. Find the store locator because there's going to be a Celsius near you. Again, that is Celsius Energy, Celsius Live Fit. Uh, you just mentioned your coaches uh, a couple minutes ago. And obviously, Byron Leftwich ha- has been huge, not just for you, but for the entire offense. But how has uh, Kevin Garver really helped you in your progression Along with um, Thad Lewis, we've heard a lot of great things about him and that he's, you know, the the next big thing when it comes to coaches and moving up that rank. Uh, how influential have they been for you in your progression? Uh, all of them are um, great. Um, Kevin and Thad both will meet with me as early as I need to. They're always in the building. I show up early sometimes. Um, Thad is just... Um, I love to see his growth. I, I was talking to him maybe last week, and I was like, I told him kind of how they tell me. I'm like, boy, I'm proud of you. You know, I, I've seen you grow or whatever. Um, I see how you're learning, how you're implementing different things. And he's not afraid of, like, that feedback from the players. Like, okay, um, like, you know, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Um, how can I improve? And I think also Kevin as well, we meet on an individual basis, whether it's about life or whether it's about ball. And they're always asking, how can I improve? And I think that's what helps people trend upward because they're looking for growth. They're looking for um, positive or negative criticism um, so that they can improve what they're doing. I think that um, both of them um, will be um, in a higher position than they are um, in the near future. Um, Byron is just a great offensive mind, but he's also relatable. Um, He comes and talks to us. Um, He's done it before. He's been there. Um, So whether he have to pull you to the side and tell you, in a different way than he's telling everybody else. I think that that helped because we all are different type of learners, whether it's kinesthetic, um, whether it's what reading, I don't know all the words anymore. I used to be a great vocabularist, (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah, 
they try to teach you in the way that you learn um, and they give you chances. And I think that that's, that's what helps. That's, that's awesome. And it really prescribes uh, why Bruce Arians pushes for such a big staff. I mean, he's not the head coach anymore, but when he was, he pushes for such a large staff to give players that individualized learning and to help them learn because maybe this guy teaches one way better than the other guy, but you want to get as many hands in the pot to develop as many players as you can. And obviously that's turned out great with you. Um, but, uh, you know, now you've talked about, you know, your kind of journey on and now have you've been here since 2019. You got the playbook. You're not the guy at the back end of the roster that that's getting the playbook and learning it, you know, coming in and just learning installs on a weekly basis because you just signed with a team or you're you're running the practice squad scout team or something. You you're, have a legitimate shot to, to win the number four wide receiving job on this on this offense. So now it becomes your responsibility to not only compete with the other players, but also be that mentor, be that veteran guy to show these young guys. So out of the group below you who are thriving for their opportunity, who stood out the most? I mean, Jalen Darden, obviously rookie last year, had an up and down season. And then they, they brought in a bunch of guys um, as undrafted free agents. Seeing these guys in practice, practice during OTAs, who stood out to you? Um, I think, man, it's kind of hard because watching these guys, all of them look, look so good. They bring different things to the pot. I guess I'll start um, with Jalen. You can tell his confidence is up. He knows the playbook a lot better. Jalen is just one of the the best movers I've ever seen in my life, the way that he um, just yeah. changed directions, the way that um he's just so shifty he's off he's off balance but he's balanced like it it's where he can catch the ball he has a, a great range and i think that his confidence is gonna help him um a lot he knows what to expect out of the game um this year rather than um when you come in as a rookie it's just it's so hard um to try to learn especially Exactly. And then you've been a returner. Sometimes you get hit hard. And so it's kind of like, damn, like the NFL is kind of a little, a little rough um, when you, you're moving so much um, and nobody can't touch you in college because you're so um, agile and fast. But then you get to the NFL and you got guys that's like six, six. 240 pounds and they're the same speed as you it's kind of rough um but i think that he looks really really good I, i'm excited to see um what he's gonna do um and then there's dt who is like a freaking ninja um he he's so fast and explosive i told him um that like man like it don't look like it's anything that you can't do um, because he can jump, he can run, um, he can stop. Like he's just, he's good. And and he, I, I just pay attention to people and he walks around with a notebook and takes notes. Mm -hmm. And when he, when you talk to him, he listens, he writes it down and he makes those changes. So I'm excited to see what he does. Um, then KG, um, he is kind of just like um, DT. He's um, a little bit bigger, 
um, but he also moves really well. He's picking up the concepts, and I think that he's going to um, be able to show a lot of people what he has um, in the preseason as well. Cam, I think that he showed a lot during, um, what was it, um, rookie minicamp, um, and that's why he was able to – and. This week, I can kind of hear him saying, like, he's getting back to that. He made a lot of big plays yesterday and today. And so I think it's, it's, it's another great deep room that we have. Um, and then you have Vincent. Vincent, um, we played together in Houston um, for a little while, and he's a burner. He also be able to play special teams. He's been making a lot of plays on offense as well. He can move around at different positions. So... I think I think we got a lot of a lot of good guys that y'all gonna be excited to see, especially when training camp comes around. Um, I can talk about all of them because I, I pay attention to them and I just watch yeah. them and I talk to them all the time because, like you said, I get to be that mentor. I always kind of try to be that guy to the undrafted guys and just kind of tell them to keep the faith and work hard because it's not impossible for them um, to make the team and contribute and be here. And I, I tell them that they deserve to be here um, because it's not – and I heard them say today it was we were walking away, man, this NFL thing is, is not like I, anything that I thought it was. I thought you guys would kind of be a-holes and not talk to us. <laughs> but I think that we have a great room where we don't mind giving um, the game away because – you can still eat and not take off people's plate. Yeah, that's that's awesome, the perspective that you have there. Because everyone has a different path of getting to the NFL. You know, there's your first-round picks. There's players that go undrafted. There's players that like you that didn't play in college. So there's so many different routes to, uh, you know, to make it to, to this level. So kudos to you for that. We actually had Will Golston on the show last week, who is it's, he's going into his 10th year, and I asked him – you know, he's been here for so long. What is something that he knows now that he wishes he knew when he first entered the NFL? So I'll ask you the same question. What is something that you wish you knew when you first got there? When I very first got in, I wish I knew to ask, the, like I can go to people and ask them things and ask like, what do I have? I, I, I did it a little bit, but I kind of also was timid about it. I didn't go yeah. um, willingly um, like upstairs um, to talk to the coaches and get that extra time and stuff like that. I think that they're there for us. I wish I knew that. I wish I knew um, early on um, how to take care of my bodies and body better and um, do like a lot of things um, because – you kind of take it for granted. You just go and practice without going to get a couple massages a week. You're going to tear it down. Um, but it's also kind of expensive. So I do understand when uh, when people don't do it. But it's your tool, and you kind of just got to take care of it. Yeah, I hear you. That could be intimidating. You walk into a room. You're, you're around all these you know, NFL veterans. I, I want to get back to the current roster right now. You, We just asked you about you know, receivers that stood out to you, but you go up against a lot of cornerbacks and safeties as well, too, in practice. Are there any players that really stand out to you, whether it's Zion McCollum or maybe uh, another undrafted free agent that's in there? Or just how is it going against, you know, guys like Jamel Dean as well, too? 
Yeah. Um, I think that Zion, like speaking of new guys that just kind of popping up, um, that um, that I see and I'm like, man, he's gonna be. Um, I think Zion's gonna be a, a good player that's gonna contribute a lot on defense. Um, this year. Um, I think that I I don't even know his name. Um, right now, like I can't think of his name, but he's wearing jersey number fifty-one. I think he's an undrafted linebacker. He's yeah. all over the place, and I think that he looks like a really good football player. Um, his last name starts with an O. I can't. I haven't figured out how to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. He from Rutgers. He look, yeah, he looks really good out there. Um, and then the new guys that we added in, um, Kiki, Logan, um, so Keanu Neal and mm-hmm. um, Logan Ryan, like they look. They look really good. I think that they're going to contribute to the defense. Um, and then you have the young linebackers who are getting a lot of time now, like KJ Britt um, and 51 that I've um, been seeing. They've been flashing um, off to me. Um, and obviously our starters who they've been looking good. We was able to see Carlton Davis. I haven't been out there like every practice. I've been um, just making sure my body's right for this um, mini camp that's coming up. And I've also been doing a lot of charity work. So I've I've kind of been missing a um, bit of time and also doing a lot of work on the side. So um, that's awesome. So I haven't, yeah, I haven't been there like OD. Um, like I've probably been there like one or two days a week where I've been on the field. Yeah, I was going to say last week when we were there, we saw you working out individually on, uh, you know, just on your own working out individually. I'll ask you about that in a second. But more importantly, that's awesome that you're doing all this charity work. You want to tell us a little bit about what you're involved with? Um, So uh, one that I kind of even felt more in love with is um, Hope for the Warriors. Um, And they help U.S. Army, well, the veterans – transition back into um civilian life and just listening to what they do and how hard it is to come back and listening to one of the guys give a testimony how um they're trained to go to war and never come back they're not trained to come back they're trained to go to war and fight for the country and maybe like in like never come back. They they say if they come back, then cool, but they're prepared to die when they go over there. Um, and I had a lot of military in my family and I never even really heard those stories like that. Um, but just knowing that they want to transition back, whether they're dismembered and stuff like that, they want to be able to get back involved in society, whether they need psychologists, psychiatrists, um, whether they need to learn how to operate a vehicle without legs and all of that. That's what Hope for the Warriors um, does. And I was able to go and host a, um, or help host a um, golf tournament. And it was just really, really nice um, kind of getting into golf a bit. I think we'll probably talk about that later with another question. Um, 
I think that they're just awesome. I also, I'm, I'm trying to find um, a charity or a nonprofit organization back in New Orleans to work with um, like long-term, but I also work with Ronald McDonald House here um, and everywhere else. And I think that those are just different charities that are dear to my heart. Um, I love kids and I also um, appreciate the veterans and what they do for us to live the way that we do over here. Yeah, that's amazing stuff. And, you know, you're always one to support charities, too. Uh, not only were you at the Arians Family Foundation, I also saw you at Devin White's charity event that he had the other day. So it's great to see how close this team is when it comes to, you know, to giving their time to charities, giving them their energy, their resources, but also giving each other, too. Uh, you guys are are never one no way to, to shy from if you are available to make that commitment to go to someone else's charities to support their cause. And that's something that I've learned over the last two years of covering this team. So it's it's great. The player is J.J. Russell, too. I've got people in the comments. There screaming. he is, J.J. Russell. Yeah, I was, think, I was thinking. I know uh, his last. That's, Fatic, that's right. Yeah, yeah I was thinking of Fatukasi, Fatukasi, who's, uh, yeah, 53. That, that's who I was thinking of. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it's it starts from the top down. I mean, obviously, guys like Mike Evans and Levante David or Devin White, as JC just mentioned, um, are so involved in the community in, in so many different ways. So I think that's so awesome what you're doing and i commend you for it uh you mentioned golf in the middle of that as well too did you happen to see obviously tom brady was in the match last night did you happen to watch that yeah i watched a couple holes um yeah they, they look decent some shots i was like eh who's, but, got, um, who's got a better drive you or tom oh he has a better drive i've only i've only been actually golfing probably like five or six months max and I took two months off where I'm just not consistent at all. <laughs> I'm just not consistent, but I think that's just going to take some time and a couple of lessons. Anybody want to give me lessons? You know, I have a little time right now. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm an avid golfer myself and like, I'm still not great. Like I shoot in the low to mid nineties, but like the more you play, it's just, even when you don't even think about it, the more you play, you just get more in rhythm and, and you're able to, you know, kind of, Maybe not perfect because no one's perfect, except for maybe like Tiger Woods on the golf course in his right. prime. But um, I saw as well, too, on your social media, you have a golf podcast that's coming out, I believe, in 20 days from now on on the 22nd. I believe it's called uh, Charge It to the Game podcast. Yeah. Um, you want to so, tell us about that? Yeah, me and my brother, um, my one of my really close friends, I call him my brother. I take care of him like he's my son. Um, but, um, he, he's, um, he's a good dude. He's the one kind of got me into golf. Um, but we was going out golfing so much and we were out there, we're talking and we're like, bro, like we should probably do like, and we talked about doing a podcast before we like, man, we probably should do like a podcast out in the golf course. So what it's going to be is like a two V two. Um, kind of scramble style golf where we'll um, talk about what, whether it's life um, or whether it's like sports or whatever industry it is that will for the people that we bring in um, mm -hmm. and 
I think golf is one of those sports that you just got to charge it to the game, right? Like you have to, um, like if you hit a bad shot, like it is what it is. You just got to figure it out from there. Um, and I think that as we go through life, there's a lot of times where we have to charge it to the game, whether it's a mistake that we made or whether it's um, something that happened to us because life goes on and you have to figure it out after that. And I think that the concept of it is going to be um, really dope. We're trying to get um, a lot of celebrities, whether it's TikTokers, YouTubers, um, football players, basketball players, actors. We're going to try to get um, some guys out there. We have some people that we know are going to come out there for sure. But if I can get um, <clears throat> Tom and Grant to come out there at the same time, I think that that's going to be um, really, really dope too. Uh, yeah, got, that well, that would do some. That would do some I great think numbers help there. The channel, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would do. That would do some numbers there. And I think one of the the most interesting things about golf, whether you're playing it or you're watching it, is the mental fortitude of it. Because you're playing against yourself. Like, yes, you're playing against the field or an opponent, but golf can be so rewarding when you finally hit that good shot. But it's so frustrating, like in between. Like, I can't chip. I can drive off the tee pretty well. My irons are okay. I can't chip. So my score obviously reflects that because it takes me like two chips to get on the hole. But I, I think it too, you know, whether you're watching the masters or the PJ championship was just a couple of weeks, you know, when you're in a scenario where it's like, okay, you're up by one teeing off on the 18th hole. If you bogey, you're going to a playoff, but if you par it, you got the ice in your veins and you par that hole and you win. I just love that aspect of it where there's a lot of pressure that goes into it. But um, you mentioned getting NFL players on there. Who on the box golfs? Have you, have you golfed with the, any of your teammates and and who's the best out of the bunch? There's actually a lot of us that actually golf. Um, I think only a few of us are really good though. And I'm not <laughs> a part of the us. Um, <laughs> um, Look at that. I know, I know Cam, Bray and Blaine's out at the course where we go to all the time. Rocky Point. Um, I, just I go there get, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of get some rounds. And um, I saw Kyle Trask go out there a bunch. Um, Ryan Griffin golfs. Um, KJ Britt said that he golfs, but I don't know about that. Um, so about Ryan, Ryan Jensen says that he golfs and he's like, he's pretty good. Um, who else? You had Vita Vea out there. Patrick O'Connor was out there. Yeah, they've they've been out there, but I don't know how. I don't know. <laughs> they probably can drive. I was. Then I think it's. Then it's I, gonna get a little funky. I was driving in the golf cart on the foundation, and all of a sudden, I just see this giant man come walking out of the woods. And it was Patrick O'Connor with his golf ball out of the woods. So um, we could put him in the in the not so good column, I think. There. Yeah. You know what? Was our, go ahead. Sorry. Even the even the good guys hit it into the woods sometimes. Yeah. It's just one of those. You just got to charge it to the game. But I, oh, little plug there. So I'm put you on the spot there because you induced. Uh, you guys are at the free promo, loose cannons uh, hole, and all of a sudden this song came on, and I look over, and it's you and him doing this scene out of a movie where you're both doing this synchronized dance together, perfectly timed up. What was that? What was that all about? Um, 
we we're around each other so much that we just kind of we do the same things we say the same thing so many times so it's a little weird sometimes i'm like <laughs> whoa what's going on like you saw us we have the same shirts on <laughs> yeah we have we have a good time together is that kind of like a preview of what's going to be on this podcast you guys again man we have we have a um short clip we're going to probably release tomorrow i think that that'll kind of show what it's going to be we're going to show the good the bad shots um and you know us just kind of having a good time out there that's awesome everyone make sure that uh, you're on the lookout for that we'll make sure that uh you know we promote it on our social media as well and another thing that fans should be on the lookout for is underdog fantasy and their best ball mania three where prizes are up to 10 million dollars uh guys underdog fantasy the more you draft and the earlier you draft the better and that's because <laughs> last year's winner won over $2 million. They drafted their team in June. So there's actually a benefit to that because you find out about some of the, the under-the-radar guys when training camp gets around here. When you find out about that, their value is not as good as it would be when you uh, when you pick in June. And underdog fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. You draft your team with no in-season management, get the optimal score each week of the season, and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money with Best Ball Mania 3, as I just mentioned. Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store now to sign up with the promo code Pewter, and Underdog Fantasy is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy and sign up with the promo code Pewter. And Best Ball Mania 3 is coming up, and of course, uh, when the season gets closer, Pewter Report will be doing uh, some drafts as well. You could do your own leagues of 3, 5, and six dollars. So there's a game out there for everyone, but make sure you pay attention to Best Ball Mania Three. Sarah, another thing I want to ask you about, um, and you just talked about Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask a little bit. You've gone to work with them a lot, whether it's been over the last two seasons or in OTAs right now. Uh, what do you see from them? Are there any you know similarities and differences, and particularly with with Trask because he's still young and eventually may be the future of the, the Bucks starting quarterback franchise. What do you see with Kyle Trask? Um, I think that Kyle has, like, a tremendous upside. You see him flash. Today, he had a really good day fitting balls and, like, windows, making the decisions. I think the learning curve for a quarterback, um, however, is probably a lot harder for a rookie or a young guy because you don't really at quarterback because you don't get that many reps. Um, and I think the more and more reps that he get, the more that um, they're teaching him, the, the better that he'll get because he has all of the tools that you need to be a really good quarterback. Um, and once he gets the confidence, I think that he'll start to rise to the occasion um, in more of a way. Um, I was able to work with him even in the off season and, you can tell that his confidence is getting up too. And the more that he learns and the more reps that he takes, he'll be um, kind of right where we need him to be um, when it's time for him to take over. Yeah, it was almost like a red shirt year for him. So I think, and especially too, last year, when he's on the team, he's almost running, you know, the scout team offense where if you guys are playing the Falcons, he's running the Falcons offense. He hasn't even gotten to totally run 
your offense that that's going on right now. And what do you see from Blaine Gabbert as well, too? He's obviously a longtime veteran of this league, one of the better backup quarterbacks. Um, I'm sure you've worked with him a lot, too. What do you see from Blaine? I think Blaine also is like a really good quarterback. I think that he commands the offense. He knows everything that's going on. And I think that that helps you become a better player as well. He knows to come and give you those tips. He's been in that leadership role and being able to um, do that. So I think um, he brings a lot to the team. And we know that if we needed, um, if Tom was to go down, we know that we have somebody who can step up and fill that role. Um, and he's he's always getting better and better as well because he's taking those reps and stuff. So um, I think, again, we have a, um, a good player in Blaine. Who's going to surprise people the most this year, you think, on the team? Other than yourself, winning that number four spot. Who's going who's gonna to surprise people the most once, once the season starts? Um, I think Chris is going to surprise people. I think he's going to be back sooner than Ooh. everybody thinks. Let's say that. Okay. All right. Well, for yeah. all of Bucks Nation, that they like that a lot. They yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that just you? You've been seeing him working yeah. out to, at, at I've the facility. Been, I've been seeing him sometimes. I heard. I heard he ran 19 miles an hour the other day. How fast Ooh. do you run? Like a peak, I don't know, maybe like 20, 22 high, maybe, something like that. But 19 is as fast as you need to play. Nobody, you don't really run 23 miles an hour. That's just, you get clocked there, you're like, all right, that's the peak. Okay. Speak, sticking with that wide receiver room, a uh, guy that you might uh, have some connections with, Russell Gage, that you brought in. Uh, that the Bucks brought in this offseason. What have you seen from him? How have you did you know him prior? Uh, having he, those ties? Yeah, we was able to um, be in school at the same time. I know Russell. Um, he came out the year right after me. Um, he's a really good player, very very athletic, um, and he knows the game. He has a good feel for the zones and stuff like that. Can go up and catch the ball. Can run runs good routes, good releases. I think um, he's a great addition to the team, and I think that he's going to contribute a lot. Um, he's learning the playbook well. He's able to, like, kind of call out some things before we um, – and talk about the plays. So I think that that's a good sign. Um, and that's the only thing I think that he'll have to catch up with is, like, just learning the plays and getting the playbook, and I think that he'll be – um, a great contributor on this team. Any secret meetings with Tom? We know he hasn't been at OTAs. Is there, is, <laughs> but has there been any like, hey, come over here, we'll meet up? Or he's just busy living his best, best offseason life right now? I think secrets are secrets. Oh, okay. <laughs> Understood. We'll All right. I, I do want to ask you, as we were just talking about speed, obviously with you being a track star, you're one of the fastest players on the team. Who is the fastest player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And if you could, you can give, uh, you know, top five fastest players on this team right now. I imagine Scotty's in the mix, Jalen Darden, Jamel Dean's pretty fast, Zion McCollum, I believe, ran a 4-3, 40-yard dash, much like yourself. Fastest, the top five fastest guys. On, it, 
it's a it's a bunch that's at the top that's really fast. Um, um, Rashad Robinson might be might be the fastest one on the team. Really, might be the fastest one. Um, really, you see him like running across the field catching people sometimes. Um, then you have I'll just start with defense, and then you have Jamel Dean who. Would probably be a part of the four by one as well, and then you have um, me, Scotty, Vincent, Brashad, that, and then um, damn, then you got Mike and Chris. I, I don't know. I can't even put it in a good order. I, I think we should just line it all up and um, see who wins. <laughs> I've said that on the podcast before. Yeah. I just I don't necessarily know if Coach Bowles and the coaching staff would be okay with that. But I'm Never. all for that. I mean, we got to determine a winner one way or another. Never Did White race a bunch of wide receivers last year too, like in his bare feet. So I, I think he'd have something to say about that too. Want to get in there? Which would be no. uh, none of the linebackers want to be a part of that. Oh, <laughs> oh, shots fired. Speaking uh, of Devin White, the, the I mean. There's the pipeline of LSU players on the Bucks runs pretty deep with you and Devin and Kevin Minter's not on the team, but you know he obviously had a, a role on this team for quite a while. It seems like LSU and Washington are like the two schools, and even Minnesota now too are like yeah. the schools that the Bucks really uh, pay attention to. Just how close is that camaraderie with your other LSU teammates? Oh, I think I think that purple and gold will always flow through our veins, um, and. We, we all have that release because all of us, or at least I kind of was in the middle of where I was able to be at school with Kevin Minter, who's older than us. And I was able to be there even with the um, youngest guys as well. We were all in school at the same time. So we was all on campus. And then me and Lenny, both being from New Orleans, we played against each other in high school. Um, as well, so I think that is good to see familiar faces, and it kind of makes you a little bit more comfortable, I guess, in a way. Yeah, of course. Um, just want to switch gears a little bit here. One thing I really appreciate appreciate about you is I love your social media game. I, I think it's so funny. Uh, you kept the receipts when you dropped the pass from Tom Brady, uh, I believe a season or two ago, and you know, you had your own little video um, <laughs> pretty much calling out everyone that went up against you, I guess, or was criticizing yeah. you. Um, just, you know, each athlete has a different thought process when it comes to social media. Are you on a lot? Do you just kind of pre-plant some of these tweets or you're just out there? Yeah, I, I think that everything's probably pre-planned because I do not get on, like, Twitter that often. Every now and then I think I get on and say hello um i also pressured by a lot of people to, that i need to get on that i need to um engage a lot more so that's probably the thoughts when i go and hop on but when i do post it's probably planned out for a little while i feel like instagram is like the choice of, uh, yeah. of platforms for the athletes uh. yeah I, I like instagram um a lot more i i just can't keep up with twitter i'm not scrolling through all <laughs> that stuff you. it's too much right 
one of your more popular Instagram posts, in my opinion, was when you were rocking the robe after uh, one of the games. Is that a post-game routine, or was that just in the moment? I think it was before. It was probably before the game. Before, um, before the game. Yeah, it was like around Christmas. Mike got us all um, like what is it, Versace robe. So I was like, I'm gonna put on some nice slacks and shirt. <laughs> but I just, I just kind of like to have fun with my fashion. So whatever it may be, I'll throw something on and try to make nothing look good. Sometimes. I see Christmas on on the Instagram. Y'all, y'all get blessed over there at Christmas time with some of your teammates. I'm like, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they show love. It's good to have um, some friends who have good connections or um, a whole lot of money. <laughs> Absolutely. Before I let you go, there's a big game tonight. Uh, I'm not sure how big of a basketball fan you are, but I'm, I'm originally from Boston, so I, I bleed green, baby. Tell me you're not rooting for the Warriors. Who do you got winning this series and how many games? Um, oh, you're gonna I think do I, I really don't care um, <laughs> about either one of these teams um, winning. Um, most of my friends seem like they're Celtics fans, so um, maybe I'll root for the Celtics. Oh, I love it. Just so I don't have to. Yeah. Or maybe I'll, root for, maybe I'll root for the Warriors just so oh. I can be the op. I might be the op. Yeah, and there so, you go. I want the Warriors yeah. to win. No offense. Oh. I think that they probably will win. Like, just watching a couple of their games, like, they're so deep. And they have Steph Curry and um, Clay might not even be the best player on the team. So that just says a lot um, right there. Wiggins um, crushed it. Wiggins crushed it last series, too. People were saying he should have got the Western Conference Finals MVP. They gave it to Steph, obviously. But, yeah, yeah Wiggins was a real factor in that series, too. So we'll see. We'll see um, how it goes. I'm. I'm definitely. I have a birthday dinner tonight, so I probably won't be watching. What time does the game come on? Eight. Nine. Like nine. nine. Yeah. So we might have time to watch the game. Um, at least the back half of it. Um, my friend whose birthday it is is a Celtics fan, so. Um, oh, he's definitely. We'll, we'll probably. Yeah, we'll probably end up watching it. All right, Sarah, one more question. And again, thank you for coming on the show today. Really appreciate your time. Just what are your expectations for yourself this year? Obviously, we know you're a team first guy and the Super Bowl is the goal. But for you personally, where do you want to grow? Where do you see yourself really, uh, you know, making a, a difference this year, making an impact? Um, I mean, at receiver, um, on special teams, I just want to contribute in every way. I do set goals for myself. Um, on like how many yards, how many touchdowns. I even was doing that when I wasn't knew I wasn't dressing out. Um, I would write it down. Um, but if I could find my way to you know eight plus touchdowns and like eight hundred yards, I think we'll be yeah. where I want to be. Um, yeah, and we win. And if we went over fourteen games since we won thirteen last year, if we went fourteen games. Um, in the um, regular season, I think that that'll be like good team goals and good personal goals for myself. I think that's an awesome goal, and Bucks fans would be ecstatic if that's what you're bringing to the team this year. So again, Surreal, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm really excited to see what you're going to do this year, obviously building on what you did towards the end of last year. So thank you again so much for joining the show. Thank you guys for having me, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I'll be in touch.
Yeah, for sure. All right. Great. Thank you again to Surreal Grayson Jr. joining the show. And another thing that's great, ladies and gentlemen, is Pin Chasers. As you see here, Pin Chasers has multiple different locations from East Pasco to Zephyr Hills Midtown and Veterans. They got a location very close to the Advent Hill Training Center where the Bucks have their practices. There's multiple great things about Pin Chasers, whether it's all the different deals that they have, all the different, you know, different types of foods they got the pizzas nachos and everything go to pinchasers.net to see about those deals because they have all you can eat pizza all you can bowl dollar miller lights the brunch on the weekends is great too so make sure you go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or book a party it's a fun night out with family and friends if you book that birthday party you're not just getting bowling you're getting the arcade as well too so there's multiple different options and you could see what they have to offer at pinchasers.net all right, just wrapping up the show here. JC, that was awesome. awesome. Surreal Grayson yeah. Jr. coming on the show. Just fantastic. A lot of great insight for a guy that, you know, has been around the block, <laughs> to say yeah. the least. You know, he's been on multiple different teams and seems like he's getting better. You know, at, at this point, a lot of NFL players start regressing a little bit, but I think the best is yet to come for him. Yeah, a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people don't realize how long he's kind of been in the league. He's 20, he's 28 years old at this point. So he's he's seen some time in the league and you know, he really started to come on last year. And he, and he talked about putting the work in and, and what it's going to take to get there. And he set some lofty expectations for himself, too. Uh, you know, 800 yards, eight touchdowns. Yeah. If he grabs that, you're looking at a guy who for sure will be part of the part of a um, main unit, main rotation at that number four spot and potentially help the Bucks win 14 games uh, if he has production like that. And I know you've been super high on him all offseason. Um, I also think that he's got a really good shot at winning that number four. I think it's a wide-open competition at barring they bring anybody else in. Um, so, I mean, it depends if he can build upon last year. And again, the most difficult part, and he talked about it. If you if you're just tuning in, go back and watch. And the early part was he really wanted to be out there in those playoff games, but his hamstring. Right. And he thought he could, but they. I thought that was really interesting that he said that they wanted to save him for the next round. Um, so if he could have got out there, maybe and, and replicated what he was doing at the end of the season, maybe a lot of people would be looking at the that number four spot as already locked up to Cyril's. So interesting yeah we'll see if Cyril can get it this year I think I mean obviously I think Tyler Johnson is probably the guy that is most likely to get it but I think he's going to have a role on this team you know he mentioned receiver special teams I think he's going to contribute in, in one way or another and JC you're talking about you know the Bucks potentially getting up to 14 wins this season you can bet on that if you wanted to and the best place to do that would be at my bookie and my bookie AG. You obviously have the NBA Finals coming up tonight, as we talked about with, with Cyril. And um, you got playoff hockey. Unfortunately, the Bolts lost last night, but we won't talk about that because they'll just go and win tomorrow's game. You have baseball going on right now, too. And there's 162 games in the season. That can feel like a grind, but you can put the excitement back into it. Each and every game with my bookie, there's run lines, money lines, props galore, first inning no runs. I've talked about that a ton. Uh, love that bet. Um, and nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Uh, getting started is simple. You deposit up to $1,000 and play with $500 instantly. Just use promo code Pewter to claim 
a MyBookie deposit bonus. Uh, whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code PEWTER to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to 1000 as I just said. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Again, that is promo code PEWTER. All right, JC, as we wrap up here, this is the last episode of this week's show, but we got an action-packed podcast for next week because we have mandatory minicamp for the Bucks. That means we're getting Tom Brady. That means we're getting Mike Evans. Chris Godwin still injured, so we won't see him out there. But we'll see all the starters. We'll see some good on good. Um, and those practices are the 7th, 8th, and 9th, which I believe is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So Monday show, we will give more of a, you know, a, a preview, set the table for what to expect. And then obviously Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we will – Get into the nitty-gritty details of everything that we saw from mandatory minicamp. And one last thing before we get out of here is please, if you can, hit the like button, hit the subscribe. It helps with our algorithm. It helps other people that might not know about this podcast, but is a Bucks fan or an NFL fan, it can help people go and uh, learn about what we're doing and, and all the content that we're putting out. So whether it's pewterreport.com or TV with all of our YouTube clips here, uh, make sure you subscribe so you can get all of that information. JC, I know you were sick, man. Oh, yeah. please go ahead. I was going to say also, while you're on pewterreport.com, make sure you guys subscribe to the Pewter Pulse. It'll keep you up to date with all the news that we're putting out, all of our articles, everything that's out there. We'll get a, You'll get a notification right to your email so you'll never miss a thing. Um, so make sure you're subscribing to that Pewter Pulse as well. Yeah. Well said. There you have it. And thank you again for everyone for watching. For J.C. Allen, who, again, was doing the Michael Jordan flu game. For J.C., I'm Matt Matera. And for Cyril Grayson, sorry, Cyril Grayson Jr., for uh, his uh, contributions to the podcast today, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everyone, for watching. And we will catch you next week for some brand new editions of the Peter Report podcast. Have a great weekend. Out. Out. Go green. Go Warriors. No.